Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the 12th episode of AI Movie Night. I'm your host Joe Simpson and tonight I'm lucky enough to be joined by two great guests to discuss all things Jason Bourne. Firstly, I'm joined by the co-host of the excellent AI comic pod, Rory Greenfield. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, thanks, mate. Yourself? I'm very good, thanks. Thanks for joining me again. It's uh, we, We've talked a fair bit this week, haven't we? We have, mate. Yeah, we, we talked a fair bit on our, on our pod this week. It was great. I really enjoyed it. I'm glad to get you on here, mate. Thank you. I'm also joined by the co-host of another equally excellent podcast, the On The Box podcast, Neil Devlin. How are you doing, mate? How are you, Joe? It's great to be on. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, thanks for coming on, mate. Obviously, I know what I tend to do is I keep a BDI on Twitter, and I've seen seen you guys in a in a bone conversation lately. I could see how much how much you liked it, and how you know how much knowledge you had. And I just thought that that's perfect for a for a movie night. So thanks to you both for coming on. No problem at all. Okay, I'm just going to start off uh, obviously because there's three films we're going to look at. So I'm going to get straight into it. I'm going to start with you, please, Rory. If you can tell me, can you remember when and where you first saw? the born identity and what you thought of it at the time, please. Yeah, I I was thinking back about this. I saw a dodgy copy on one of those old, like, 11-inch box televisions. Um, so it's probably the worst experience <laughs> watching a film. <laughs> I can remember, actually. But I remember watching it going, this is incredible, I need to watch this again on an actual television or in a cinema screen. So, yeah, I remember being not paying it that much attention initially. It's quite a dark film, especially at the beginning. It's really, because it's at night where they they pick him out of the water. 
to and I remember not being able to make much out of it for a while and then it all kicked in um, and yeah I, I, I'm a, a massive Bourne fan to be honest um, after watching that uh, I remember watching the next two at the cinema and yeah reading all the books as well so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm a big big fan do you think it, you know, would you obviously you've got that book background? I've read one of them many years ago, but I don't remember it that, that well, truth be told. Do, does that give you any extra sort of knowledge about the character, or does it make the it, films any deeper for you? Or, it, I know there's does, quite a lot of changes. It does a little, yeah, there's quite a lot of changes. I like the, the kind of difference in the books and the, and the films, to be honest, because mm-hmm. um, the books are a little bit slower burners. Um, and he's always got one main adversary throughout, you know, the Jekyll, who's the main adversary throughout the, the kind of trilogy of the books. Um, so it's, it's a little bit different, but yeah, it did give some good background. Um, they're really, they, they, they did it really good justice. It's one of the best kind of book to film adaptations I've seen where both kind of stand up on their own two feet, really. Yeah, couldn't agree more, did. And that point you made about it, watching it on a bad, uh, sort of bad, bad telly sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I sometimes think that that is one of the ultimate tests. If, if something can still be enjoyable when you're not wo- watching it yeah. in, you know, perfect conditions, that tells you how good the story must be and, you know, just how good the film it is. So it's interesting to hear that. What about yourself, Neil? Can you remember when you first saw it and what you thought of it uh, on that first viewing? Yeah, when you sent me through the the agenda, what we were going to go through, I had to think about it. I was thinking, I think it must have been back because the film came out in two thousand and two. I I don't think I seen it to two thousand and three when it was on DVD. But show well, not really show my age, but some people might remember a time when you you rented DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> and I live out, yeah, but it was a foreign concept to anybody under the age of maybe twenty. But I I live out in the countryside, so there's not a lot to do out here. So. Uh, I would every weekend I would go to the go to the movie shop and rent one movie and I remember watching it on my PlayStation Two because my PlayStation Two was the first time I got a DVD player because it came with it. I thought this was amazing and it opens up a whole new world. So I remember get it, getting it uh, and I was only about thirteen or fourteen. So for me, for me, it probably wouldn't have been like you guys. I wouldn't have been as uh, in depth watching it when i when i first watched it but i'm sure itv2 have sort of sorted that out in <laughs> years to come because i've seen i've seen it nearly every other week since uh but yeah. I, I just remember being amazed because i was a big james bond fan uh when i was about 12 13 and this was just like james bond james bond on steroids for me yeah it was like james bond meets uh, mission impossible and for me i just remember loving it and then I see. I seen the next two in the cinema because of this, but it's like you know one of those DVDs or movies that you the first time you've seen it, one of the early ones, and it sort of sticks with you forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for for me, that it's a it's a long lasting one. It's one that sticks in the memory, and it's probably one that uh, influences everything I've watched since. I've got to ask, would you mention it? And I'll ask you in a sec, Rory. One on one single combat. Who wins, Bourne or Bond? Does Bond do single hand combat? <laughs> it, it, it depends. I think Daniel Craig does. Daniel Craig does, but uh, uh, I, th- I think some of Roger Moore. Roger Moore would just get turfed, wouldn't he? Let's be honest. I think Bond would snap Roger Moore, but uh, yeah, uh, that's one of the debates you sometimes see on the web who'd win, and obviously Jack Bauer as well. The three JBs. What about you yourself, Rory? Bond all the way comfortably. To be honest, yes. each, each Bond as well. There's not. There's not a single one. I don't think. I, you know, I, early Connery. Connery was quite tough, actually. Early doors, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. I know he, he, he didn't display it as much, but he was, I think he's quite tough. 
But yeah, um, yeah, I, I think he's too quick. He's too intelligent. So yeah. The I, idea I, of Bond combat I have is, you know, in Goldeneye when he's going around doing the judo chop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it always reminded me a bit of a Shatner in Star Trek, uh, that, uh, a little bit like his chops, you know what I mean? Uh, so, no. I, I, I used I, to I, love the strafe and chop, you know, combination <laughs> of Goldeneye. Yeah. You, oh, yeah. Oh, what, what a game. What a game. It's a classic, uh, yeah. I think... Uh, I think a slightly unfair question with it being hand-to-hand there to any Bond fans out there. Bond's obviously got his other strengths. Bond's better at getting the women and also <laughs> uh, might be better with the gun. But, uh, better at drinking but, too. Yeah, and drinking. But anyway, no, nah, I love Bond as well. They're, they're both great at what they do, those films. But just to come back serious then, I suppose, just to move on now, similar theme really. Uh, the Bond films have had a massive influence on action films and obviously in particular with us mentioning it then, the Bond films. Uh, why, why do you think they were so influential? Uh, I'll start with you, please, Neil. I just think it, it brings sort of filmmaking to a new level because we were so used to, like, the corny James Bond where you'd see, like, the car crash. Like, like in the in Born Identity, you have the, the mini car chase. Like, if you, if you compare that to, say, the GoldenEye chase where he's in the tank and you've got, like... It's, like, comedy slapstick moments where they go into the canal and stuff like that and it's... Like henchmen or policemen coming out and going, Oh no, I'm drowning. But there's none of, <laughs> <laughs> there's none of that going on in Born. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of like, this is serious. If, if you were in this sort of car chase, there'd be serious ramifications. People would get run over. Things, things would happen. Yeah. And it's sort of the same throughout the whole series as well, because people die and James Bond people tend to not die. So that, that, that's the main, that's the main thing. And now, as you see, it's probably influenced, uh, the new Bond films because now people do die and there is ramifications for, for things and there's things that weigh on people's conscience, whereas that really wasn't a thing before Born. No, I totally agree. And as, as well, as well as all that, another thing that you, you definitely see is Born himself. You know, although all action films are to some degree, going to push the boundaries and you know that they're only realistic to a point because obviously it's entertainment but Bourne does like you say as well as other people getting killed and things Bourne gets hurt himself he gets tired you know you see the ramifications he gets injured you know as you said you know that doesn't really happen with Bond until more recently now obviously the more recent Bonds you can see he's more of a real person he has he has at times he loses some confidence and you know he physically isn't what he'd always been in the other ones and I know there have been slight bits of that in the past but it's definitely been been amped up a hell of a lot since Bourne no doubt what about yourself Rory? I, I can't really um, you know reiterate that anymore really I think the, the scene for me that first made me think how influenced it was is so um, the opening the Casino Royale when it's 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 in somewhere in West Africa it's the kind of free-running section of, of, of cinema. And I was like, this is it's completely different direction for Bond. And the way it was shot and the, the combat was shot, it was just so, so similar to Bond. You know, I, I remember the Bond films. Um, it didn't work on a, a tiny telly, let me put it that way, because you couldn't <laughs> really make out the action in, in proper kind of, you know, the feel it is. But um, some of the action scenes, even in the first Bond film, just that kind of choreography, that way it's shot, kind of realism of of using you know what's around you rather than just being you know at the time of cinema i think 
action films were all about big guns and fast cars and stuff. So I think and Mission Impossible was all about fast cars and motorbikes and, and the most ridiculous stuff, really, for a time. I mean, they've they've been influenced as well because they've kind of brought it you know, to a, a more realistic-ish level. And, yeah, it's all due to Bourne. It's all due to the direction and all the choreography. And, um, you know, they brought a lot of kind of Western or Eastern kind of choreography and style into into Western cinema, which wasn't really done before in, in a Hollywood-style film. So it was, it was quite a, a big step up in advancement. Yeah, totally agree. I think you touched on something as well there in terms of, with with Bond and and some of those other films like uh, the Mission Impossible's, um, I think they were becoming extremely CGI heavy, and the stunts and ideas were becoming more and more excessive and more ludicrous. Obviously, there is a place for that because obviously, as you say, Mission Impossible's gone a bit more gritty, but it still has those outlandish stunts, which which there is a place for in the brilliant. But I think maybe Bond in particular had gone too far. I just remember that die another day with an invisible car and you know, <laughs> I was about to say oh, the invisible pl- oh, and, and, and the yeah, windsurfing just... on a piece of metal or something or whatever it was I can hardly remember or getting away from it, Avalanche oh, <laughs> oh you know it just it, got far too much I think yeah. they saw in terms of cinema they saw right the bigger the better the grander the stunt the better the audience will enjoy it and yeah. and people more enjoy you know uh, someone beating someone up with a big biro and a you know, in uh, a magazine, it's, it's just such a different approach. Yeah, totally. Particularly because it feels natural as well to, to that character. You know, it, yeah. it's not just done for let's have a, you know, let's have a fight where we use this as a sort of prop. It, it feels as if it, it just naturally develops that that is what this, this character would do. And I think that that's so different to the way Bond had gone. And I do love Bond. I'm being a bit critical of it here because of that period where the Bond films went really bad after GoldenEye, I think. But I think Bourne sort of real stunts and things like that rather than CGI. And I think it sort of it helped to bring films back a bit more into, you know, more of a balance between the two. And I think that's obviously a really good thing. What what are your thoughts on the character of Bourne and obviously Matt Damon's performance, Rory? I was earlier in the week on our pod, um, <laughs> I was defending Affleck, so I'll probably do the same really. Um I'm I'm a big Matt Damon fan actually you know I know some of his cinema isn't the most appreciated but he's had such a good consistent career and he really did you could tell that there was a lot of effort that went into these films because he does speak some multiple languages extremely well albeit quite brief and he was in great shape for this um you could see a little bit with him I think it felt like the first time, well, um, Good Will Hunting is probably one of my favourite films, so not exactly the first time, but you could see him get into a headspace in these, in, in these films where he really was the character. It, it, you know, it, it's probably not quite Brando-esque levels of, uh, <laughs> of, of pre-development films and stuff, but you could see that he was in that mindset and he played emotionless, which the character kind of is quite well, but when he kind of let emotion in and he started to become, you know, not the kind of weapon he'd been, you know, made to be, um, he played that well and the emotion started to come through and I thought he was, I thought he was excellent and I think he got better and better. Totally agree with your points there. Um, what about yourself, Neil? What were your thoughts? I think it was a real coming of age for Matt Damon because although he, he was the maybe the, 
lead character would ever entail a Mr. Ripley or Goodwill Hunting or even like he was in Ocean's Eleven the year before Born Identity. Yeah. But he was always supported by these like big name actors like Gwyneth Paltrow or Jude Law in the talented Mr. Ripley, Robin Williams, stuff like that. But this was finally, this was his. He was the biggest name in it. Uh, it was the first time that he got to, got to lead. And I think it, 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 I think it was the start of Matt Damon, really. Before that, yeah. he was, it was great acting or whatever, but this is like the method acting that was because he became Jason Bourne. And it's sort of a testament now that whenever you see Matt Damon in films, you probably think of him more as Jason Bourne than you think of him as anything else. It's not like you go, it's not like you watch a film, you think of him as whatever, was he, Mark Watney in The Martian or whatever like that, or Goodwill Hunting. So for me, I think it was, it was a testament. It was the first time that you'd seen his true acting prowess and him becoming a character, believing he was a character and then portraying that on screen. No, a lot, a lot, a lot of great points made by you both there. I think uh, that's a great point as well about uh, Matt Damon. Now, obviously, hindsight and we we sometimes look at things differently don't we when we look back but but you're right it, it's he's credited it with with essentially rescuing his career because he'd had that initial period with goodwill hunting and and um, talent of mr ripley and things like that and they've been well received but then after that he'd made quite a few poor films like uh, i think the legend of bag of Vance and um uh, all the pretty horses and things like that. Not particularly commenting on their quality, but the way they were received. And I think he, he said at that stage, he weren't getting scripts anymore to be leading men, or at least not quality scripts. And when he took this, you know, it was like a trouble production. And, you know, a lot of people thought it was going to, going to do bad because there was constant fighting between uh, Doug Lyman and, and the producers and things like that. And I think people thought, this could be it for Matt Damon. Obviously, he'd still get way, but uh, in terms of a leading man, there was a bit of a worry. And I think that's why when Ocean's 12 came out, there were a lot of jokes about, in it about, you know, his character in that. I think Linus was it. He can now have a leading role. Is he ready for the leading role because of how well Bourne had done? Whereas obviously in the first one, I think he was a late replacement for um, Mark Wahlberg in the first one. Wahlberg pulled out to do with Planet of the Apes. So, it's fascinating now, as you say, because he did that role and he did so well, and then it obviously became this phenomenon. His career hasn't really looked back, but you're right; it was a really massive thing in his career. And you know, I totally agree with you both. I think he was outstanding. I think um, to pull off that action and be believable, and also amnesia. I often most things that have an amnesia plot. I don't have a lot of time for, and it tends to come off a bit, bit laughable to me. But his was totally believable, and obviously, the fact that he he was able to be this, you know, this killer, and so so good at looking after himself and getting out of situations, but still convey all that pain and hate and sorrow that the character had. I just think was was brilliant, and you know, one of my favourite performances, to be honest, definitely in, in action films anyway. Yeah, I'm now going to look at, obviously, we've mentioned a lot lot about Matt Damon there and obviously Jason Bourne, but the, these films had so many quality supporting, supporting characters um, backing them up and, you know, you know, so too many to name, really. Do any of them particularly stand out for you, Neil? Any that you, you found particularly memorable? Uh, I really like the character of Pam Landy. Um, oh, yeah. Some people were probably thinking oh, she's a bit naggy or whatever, but 
which normally I would in, in films, but mm-hmm. she kind of brings me, it's kind of, she's like kind of like the Edward Snowden type character. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Cause, cause this film was really like the first of where the, the government was the enemy. Yeah. And she was like the one sensible head in the government that, that was sort of taking a step back and saying, Hey, I, I don't, I don't think this is right or whatever. Which is, is something we would expect from from our people in our government, and we'd hope that they would do that. But everybody else is just following the party line. These all seem to be like brainless drones going right. I'm going to search for Jason Bourne. I'm going to kill Jason Bourne. And then it, it was she was kind of like the polar opposite to all the other the agents that they were trying to create, where she she was taking the evidence in and she was deciding herself whether she was going to act upon it. Whereas. Uh, the agents in the field got a message to their phone and they just carried out their bidding. So it was like a, a great contrasting character. So for me, I think I, I enjoy her through. I don't think she was in the first one, but she was in the, the next two, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So for for me, I think she's my my favorite secondary character in the in the series. Yeah, no, she she's brilliant, and as you say, she I think bringing in that here as like a counterpoint to so many of them other characters makes it so much more interesting because. You see in these clashes, and it always one of one of the enjoyable things about it for me is that it's almost like at times, obviously, it's like a, a bureaucratic normal office at times with these power plays and power struggles when these are people in you know at the CIA and like controlling of these top secret budgets and assassins and and so much of it is just office politics but obviously taken to extremes and you know I think uh, at one stage here uh, Brian Cox is going on about this as a being above her pay grade and things mm-hmm. like that and they're all such strong characters and I just love that interplay between them. What about yourself Rory? Is there any you particularly stand out for you? Um, you just mentioned him but I think Brian Cox's character uh, Lord Abbott is is excellent. He's the kind of polar opposite. He's he's the corrupt, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, officer in 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 the CIA, and um, you know he's the one that will basically do anything to to survive. Ultimately, doesn't. But I think he's brilliant. I think he brings a lot of kind of experience and nous to the role, and I think that was kind of needed. And Chris Cooper's quite similar as Conklin. Um, Conklin's huge in the books. Um, you know, huge kind of mentor role. Yeah. Um, and I thought he portrayed that really well uh, on screen. And I think, you, you know, Marie's also really solid, you know, in the, in the parts that she's in the films. I think she kind of, it's not the, the, the best acted role or, or something, but in terms of the influence it has on, on Damon's character, I think she's really, really good. I think she's, She's a positive note and, and obviously positive, which is is not part of the rest of their makeup. And you probably need a little bit of that to, to balance things out at times. Definitely. Totally agree. She's good for him to play off because she brings out obviously a softer side and, you know, yeah. humanises the situation. And she's a bit like us, I suppose, to, trying to comprehend what he's saying and is it true or, you know, is he making it up? And, you know, I, I totally agree. I really enjoyed her scene. I think her reaction, yeah, her reaction after the, the major scene in the, the Paris apartment and the fight scene is kind of what most people would be like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, if you've seen a, a dead body or someone, you know, jump out the window and, and all that's gone on and then her pitch has been branded about because she just doesn't know who she got in the car with, really. She just, you know, really doesn't know. So, yeah, it's it's it's, it's a well-played role. 
yeah, and I think that's another great point of these films that you hit on there that uh, I think Neil touched on earlier on. Things have consequences in a lot of these films. You see something, you know, huge happen, and some of the characters have no reaction. It's like they've just seen someone, you know, spill a glass of milk or something, whereas in this, uh, uh, as you both have mentioned, these these things and these, you know, actions have consequences, you know, you would be horrified if you'd seen that, uh, like she wasn't shaken up, and it, it's so refreshing to see that, because it makes the film so much more real, and I think um, Doug Lyman was saying that that was one of his key things, he wanted it to feel real, obviously, like we've said, they are action films, uh, you know, with with a thriller element, obviously, and and they're not going to be truly realistic. But he wants them to have some of that feeling of realness, like you know, this is almost what could be going on. And I think those type of things, those reactions, really help uh, give it that. To be honest with you, I'm now going to look at the uh, the film, the films themselves, really. But the first question now I'm going to ask is uh, is to you, Neil. It's what what would you say is your favourite film of the trilogy, and why why is that? I think it has to be the first one. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it just sets all the whole wheels in motion. I think it's where Matt Damon's at his coldest as well, which is what I really enjoy about the Bourne character. Because as he progresses, when he meets his girlfriend and stuff and moves on, he sort of becomes a bit more lighter. And then he's helping Nicky Parsons later on as well. So he kind of becomes a bit more affectionate. Whereas at the start and where it all began, he's just one motivation. Who am I? And figuring out what he can do about it. Uh, so I'd say the first one's probably for me. And I think just the setting, just the whole, the American embassy in the first one, the whole snowy setting, yeah. the dull drabness. I, I just love that, that whole atmosphere. Whereas uh, the next two, they, they start off in sunny, sunny places and things like that. And then they end up in, is it Africa or something in, in ultimatum. Uh, so I, that's, that's why I prefer the first one. It's just the, the mood, the atmosphere and the general character of Jason Bourne. I think it's just, at its most perfect in the first one. I think you hit on another uh, really refreshing thing about these films, the locations, as you say. You know, not many huge action films would, would be in, you know, European settings these days. Obviously, in the 70s, that was quite common. But before Bourne, I think it was quite rare and definitely quite rare to, to be in these sort of, you know, as you say, in, in sort of, a normal cityscape rather than the really glamorous parts of Europe. And uh, I, I think there was something really refreshing and, and, and gritty and real about seeing those places. And obviously, you know, so memorable, as you say. What about you, Rory? I think I think I kind of have to agree, but it, it's tricky because I, I take all three films as a, almost collective, you know, because um, they all have their own parts of the story to tell. Um, I really like the third film and the way it kind of wrapped everything up um, and it, it kind of got more intense and more intense as it went on. So, um, but I think I have to agree with the first one. I, I wasn't opposed to the uh, sunnier kind of climates. I, I quite like the Morocco scenes and I do like the, the parts in India in the first film, uh, in the second film in Goa. Um, but I think, I think that European feel to it is just what the film is all about. Um, I think the kind of driving through Europe, it, it made it feel more real from a person when I was, what, 18 and probably the next year 
went interrailing around Europe and across our three cities and through Germany and stuff. So it kind of felt more like I think it's because you can, ima- you can yeah. imagine where you you could be there. You know what I mean? You can't when like Bond or something goes to Monaco and things like that. God, you just yeah. Think, yeah, I'm never going to be in this situation. When, when he's in Venice and he, he jumps on his speedboat or his yacht or whatever it is, you know what I mean? And it it doesn't yeah it doesn't connect the same way. Whereas this, he's getting a train um, across Europe or he's um, you know obviously lands up on a on the coastal shore. He's driving across Europe and um, and the kind of blurred lines and the signs on the road and yeah, that's the realness about it. The grit. I think the embassy scene is excellent. Um, even the first scene when you realise he isn't maybe who he was, um, when he's on the park bench in, uh, just before he, you know, kind of goes into the embassy and the two police officers kind of uh, approach him and he's, he's trying to speak English, trying to explain. Um, and then he comes out with, you know, minor papira, minor papira and have stolen or whatever and, and lost his papers and stuff in German, perfect German. Um, and then he basically floors them both in 10 seconds. That was great. And I loved all that kind of scene because it was, it was very real and, he, he was really cold in that first film, but he was very meticulous and calm in the embassy when he's walking the floors and he, he takes a walkie-talkie in the, the fire escape map and he's just looking for the route to exit. And he just, you know, he's very, very calm about it all. He never fl- flusters or never loses his um, his call. And that's why he's such a, it's such a great film, that first film. Before that, Rory, had you ever seen, because I don't think I had, had you ever seen something like that in an action film where the, where, where the action star does something so practical and sensible and pragmatic as getting that map off the wall? And I can remember being in the cinema where he did that and being blown away because it was just so, so simple, but so clever and so obvious. Why had that never been in a film before? And it was like, he did it all in, as you say, in this efficient way. It went like he took it and he stopped. It was all fluid. He was on the move. You know, it, it was like he was this perfect machine to just knew exactly what to do. And it was, yeah, it was, it, 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 that's the difference. Yeah. And that's the difference in these films because it's no gloss. It's no mm-hmm. over the top. He's going to escape by doing something ridiculous or. I don't know. Yeah, I'd never seen anything like that. I, I really hadn't, and I don't think anyone does it quite as well as, as Greengrass and, and Damon do it, really. Yeah, no, can't, can't disagree with that. What What would you say your favourite scene is from The Bourne Identity? I know you mentioned it, Neil, so maybe that it's the same scene, but what what is your favourite scene from that? I, lo- I love the embassy scene, but I think it has to be the car chase, because I think the oh. car chase sets the, the tone for every action movie that comes after it. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it, it's brilliant in the fact that it makes you, the, the viewer, look at your city or cities you've been to as a playground of <laughs> action. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Of what what would, if I had a Mini Cooper and I was running from the cops, maybe where where would I go? Where would I drive? Where How could I get away? Would I would I pull up this alleyway, hide? You know what I mean. And it it just influenced everything that comes after it because it seems that every action film since has been set in narrow streets in whether it be in New York, whether it be in Europe, whether it be in London or whatever. And it's just set the tone for everything going forward. And I think that's that that has it's not only the best scene I think in that movie, but I think it's the best scene in the trilogy, really. Well, it, it is brilliant, and as you say, it's it's so influential. It's 
you, you know, you, as you said, it's been it's been copied in so many films. You know, sim- similar types of car chases, and you know, it's uh, it, it it is as you say. I think it's also linked to that other point we made earlier on, where we were saying about you know, Bond is all glamour. You know, this is in a mini, and I imagine if you pitch that to a Hollywood executive, you know, before seeing what this film was, I were going to have the action star in a mini. And it's not going to be for comedy. It's actually just going to be a full-on chase. They probably all I, seen Mi- Michael images of Michael Caine, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably, that, that's what you would think of, isn't it? You'd think of a, a, a bit of a comedy. But it's, it's no, not. it's no doubt influenced by. It is influenced by that, but yeah. at the same time, this was like the maturity. This was the the oh, growing yeah. up of the car chase. Totally, totally, and 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 any bits of com- comedy. A, a, a sort of just a, an extra thing. It's it's never never done for just purely for comedy. Obviously, at times a mini, you know, taking chase off all these police cars and outwitting them is it, just naturally funny at times and enjoyable. But it's never done like purely for that. That's just an, an add-on, really, isn't it? I think. What I'm going to move on now to uh, the Bourne supremacy. Uh, I'll start with you on this, please, Rory. What what would you say your favourite scene from that film was? Obviously, there's so many. Favourite scene from Supremacy is the fight scene in Switzerland, I believe it is, when he he basically confronts who he thinks is the last agent um, to get information, and they uh, meet in his apartment, and he, he binds his hands with those kind of plastic you know, plastic handcuffs, essentially. And the guy triggers the alarm, so the police are going to come in five minutes. Um, and they have an absolutely monumental fight in this apartment. The uh, the agent picks up a knife, and because he's got his hands bound, it's, you know, really tight, close to his chest, and, and Damon basically struggles to find, you know, anything to, to rally back um, until he finds a newspaper or a magazine, um, rolls it up, and just absolutely obliterates him which was just a scene i mean the first film i said uses a pen to disarm the guy's knife in his hand but this one um with the magazine that he eventually you know undoes the gas pipes use the magazine and the toaster and, and blows the apartment it was just it was just the best fight scene i've ever seen by a long way it's fantastic, isn't it? And like we mentioned earlier on, you feel it, don't you? You 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 feel you feel tired watching it. You feel yeah, you feel tense. Yeah, yeah you yeah. do feel tense. You know, it, it genuine because I think you know he's going to survive. You, you know, it's it's principally right, but because he can get hurt and because he is injured a lot of the time, um, it does feel like you, you do you're on your edge of your seat. And I remember being yeah, I remember just thinking this is incredible. And it's like brutal. I think at the end, he actually, he strangles him to death, if I recall. Yeah, he did. It's so brutal as well because, you know, it feels so real and you almost feel a tiredness about these guys. Got to be said as well, the guy he's fighting is an absolute badass. If he can fight Jason Bourne with his hands tied and give him a real good go, Obviously, I know I always talk about these films as if they're real. <laughs> but <laughs> it, 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 it is amazing, though, in the film how well that other guy does. You know, he's yeah. You the know, choreography, though, in this and and the oh, way it's obviously yeah. shot. And I know they talk about the hand cams and all that kind of stuff, but it does it does it puts you in the scene. It almost puts yeah. you in the first person view. Um, and I know Neil's a big gamer and stuff as well. And these kind of 
films do kind of closely tie in with gaming and how you'd feel in that mindset. And yeah, it's more realistic. It's much more realistic. Yeah, no, totally, totally. And as you've mentioned, the Greengrass's direction is just, you know, stunning. Really. He, he's a, he's an incredible director. Yeah. Yeah, he's so 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 talented. Um, what what about yourself uh, for the for this one, Neil? What what uh, what would your favourite scene be, or or is it the same? You know, the, the, it, that is a brilliant scene. It's quite hard to look past, I suppose. I think unusually for an action film, my favourite scene, I think, in Supremacy is when Bourne meets Abbott, and they're sort of having it out yeah. because it's unusual where. He, cause he's basically, he's the antagonist, like, the, he's the, he's the bad guy. And you, you finally meet him sort of halfway through the second movie of a trilogy. And it's kind of like, what, what, what the fuck? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That doesn't normally happen. And then J- Bourne is blaming him for everything and he's saying, hey, you killed Marie, you killed Marie. And then Abbott just twists it around and he goes, no, you killed Marie. When, when, she, the moment she entered your car, you killed Marie. And then Jason just sort of, it dawns on him that he, that he can't then therefore be connected to anybody now. His life, his life can never be yeah. the same. He can never find love. Yeah. He can never be with anybody because they will always be searching for him. They will always go after him and they'll always be in danger. So he'll always be alone. I think it was a really poignant moment in the series. Uh, although he, as I said earlier, he gets a bit close with Nikki Parsons. It is platonic. It's not romantic. And you feel like, Jason Bourne can never be romantic or never be connected to anybody ever again, purely because of what Abbott says. And it's such a strong performance from Brian Cox when he says it. And he's so direct. And for me, that was, that was the best scene in that, in that film. I think that, that movie was more about the drama of it, more about the psyche of it than it was about the action of everything. Yeah. I think you make a really good point then. It's something we, we mentioned recently, me and Rory on, on, on the comic part. that those scenes that like you say it's such a powerful scene they they make the action all the better don't they because yeah you're so much more invested in this character and you, you see as you say it dawns on him you know and and the thing with characters like this and they're both so strong you can't truly bullshit them so when abbott makes the, those points born knows he's right you know he knows he's right he knows that what he's saying is true. And as you say, that's then adds to that guilt he already has for his past anyway. He's got this new guilt. And as you say, that, that realization that this is his life probably forever, really, that he will always, as you say, be, be a danger to anyone just through having that past. And I think that uh, I couldn't agree more. That's a, 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 an absolute brilliant scene. And I like that he's both chose. Two scenes that show the different strengths of that film, which we we mentioned earlier on. That one for me is the best of the three. But you ask me tomorrow, and I'll probably say a different answer. They're all so good. <laughs> uh, they are, aren't they? They're just fantastic. You know, one one of the best trilogies. I know it's obviously going to have a fourth now, but one of the best trilogies I, I've ever seen, definitely. I think uh, the best thing about it is we watch characters in these films as opposed to yeah. watching heroes, which is what. Yeah. Uh, I know Rory's on Comic Pod and stuff like that, but when we watch comic book movies and things like that, we're just watching heroes. They're not really... We can't really... Oh, mate, to them. no, no. Give me this any day of the week um, over any 
comic franchise. Just yeah, you know, I, I still Stuart, if he ever listens, will will probably um, berate <laughs> me um, and disown me. I'll probably be replaced next week. But um, but you know, truth be told, you know, these kind of films in this way. Because it's got all the kind of elegance of like a, a spy thriller, incredible script, incredible direction, and then the performances are incredible. And then coupled with that, then you've got the action and and everything else that goes along with it. Because I know you mentioned the car chase scene before, um, the song, um, uh, Ready, Steady, Go, whatever oh, it's called. Um, it's that kind of, you know, the sound mixing in these films and the, the editing style of it is, is great. But that kind of sudden turn up in... In style, and it's obviously shot in kind of Germany and, and, and Central Europe, and it's kind of like trance dance European music, and it, it just works, you know, um, you know, all that kind of sudden shift change. I, I just thought I haven't seen a film or trilogy of films that were this well kind of edited and put together. Joe mentioned someone on our pod the other day about when you watch a film that's so well edited and cut, and there's no loose ends you know i just think this whole trilogy rather than some of the other trilogies that as they go on feel like they have to add more and and have to add excess for no reason this these films are the way the character is portrayed it's just straight down the line and and no i think it's i think it's something that uh, marvel and disney and dc to maybe a lesser extent have been striving towards is the combination of having the action, but molding it alongside having yeah, strong characters. Well. Yeah. Marvel are trying, they're trying it to their credit. They are trying to make it. I think the, the only successful way they've done it in the, in the past 10 years, or whatever has been the Nolan version of Batman where they were able to mold it together. But yeah. I still think that Marvel and now the new DC as well are probably just striving to again to try and match the two together to get the full the full range but they still haven't quite found it it's very difficult when you're it's a different audience and it's a different style and, and these films are a lot lower expectation you know i think they probably went into the first film you know quite a small budget damon wasn't a superstar you know at that stage he was known but wasn't anywhere near the level he's become um and no other major kind of cast members only a few kind of smaller parts of quite esteemed actors but no one off the page so it, it wasn't going to be ever you know the same style or, or, or scale as any of those kind of major releases now i think the pressure for the film coming up in the summer will be that now it's probably built with a bigger budget and, and maybe a bit more expectation with the break that's gone on between the films no definitely and i think it, it it's important to say as well with these and comparing to you know the comic films the different moods as well do you know what i mean the, the for different moods so oh yeah uh, there'll be a t- you know avengers assemble for me is like you know some people may laugh at this, but it's a masterpiece of its type, I think. It is. And obviously, yeah. I, know, I, I know you, 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 you feel the same, Rory. And, yeah. and so is this. And I, I'd watch that in one mood and I'd watch this in another mood. And it, it's good to have those different types of films. And, you know, but as you, as you have both said, I think this is perfectly balanced. And it's interesting. Obviously, we've mentioned some of those other actors and things like that. I, I was reading that it, Doug, Doug Lyman on the first one made something, made a comment about saying that he had some like scenes with Chris Cooper, but as you say, his Conklin was just, you know, stunningly good. 
he said they had some breathtaking scenes with him and some of the other characters in the office. He said he actually had to cut them out or he was told to cut them out because a lot of people get frustrated if you spend too much time away from the star. Now, that, that, that to me is quite sad. But what I would say is it's still, I think they probably got the balance perfect in this because he's obviously kept a lot of those scenes in. And then, as you say, then those scenes when you've got the star and the character, it just elevates the star for me. It just makes everything they do seem better. If, you know, it's one thing going up against some, some, you know, somebody we don't know or someone who's maybe not as talented. But when you've got Matt Damon acting against, as you say, you know, your Albert Finney's or your Brian Cox's, uh, as you mentioned before, Neil, it just, it just has so much more to it, really. It just, I don't know, it just elevates every everyone's yeah. performance, I think, doesn't it? I'm now going to look at the Bourne Ultimatum and, you know, what, what your favourite scene would be in that, and I'll start with you, please, Neil. I think I think I gave it away on Twitter when I was watching it. I think uh, Rory either commented on it or liked it or whatever. <laughs> it's the scene at the very end where you think he's dead, and then he just moves. <laughs> that And it's... I don't, I don't know why, I just love that scene. It's, it's the one that really sticks out for me from that movie i don't know and then moby's you were mentioning the soundtrack oh, yeah. as well and then moby's yeah. extreme ways kicks in because uh, everything had just gone to the doldrums at that point you were like well i guess it's a happy ending and then boom extreme ways kicks in he starts he starts kicking and then he's alive and you're like maybe 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 there's going to be another one you know what i mean yeah. It's taken. It's taken this long for another one to come out. We'll ignore the other one, but <laughs> it's taken this long for. The, I don't know. I don't know why. I just love that scene, and I, the music complement. Although the music's in all three of them, it just complements that superbly. Especially after with the the newsreel going over the top of it of everybody getting indicted and all that, yeah. and you're thinking, well, everybody's fucked basically. Even Jason's <laughs> fucked. <laughs> But then he's alive. I don't know. It's it was just that it was one of the rare happy moments in the in the, the entire trilogy, really. Yeah, I think I can remember in the cinema there was a big like cheer when he moved. You know, everyone was made up, and as you say, obviously there's not not a lot of those type moments in these films. As good as they are, obviously most of the time he's in peril, isn't he? So no, it's a. Uh, that, the, other, the, the other thing I love is the fact that it uh, complements nicely with when we met Jason Bourne in the very beginning in the water. So it's like gone full circle, which I don't know whether that was intentional or not, but it probably was because th- is, yeah. things, are, things aren't movies by accident. True. So it was kind of like a rebirth moment because that was him born into the character of trying to find out who he was. And then this was him being born again. Great, great points there. What about yourself, Rory? What was your favourite scene from from Ultimatum? I, I like the scene when when he says, "Get some rest, Pam. You look tired," and he's looking through the sniper because um, one of the you know one of the others reacts where they can overhear it, and he's looking right at her, and they just they just all the whole office almost freezes. <laughs> it's 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 a really good scene because um, I I just I can imagine them on. Uh, you know, that's why it felt quite real, this film, because it, especially in the books, all the scenes around around New York and around, is it New York or is it Washington? But just around the, the buildings and the CIA and, and how they're operating and, and how he's searching to find out who he really is. And um, it's also prominent. It, it's, it's a big, big part um, of the of the kind of books. And, 
Yeah, I like the scenes as well with with Albert Finney, um, where he kind of discovers who he who he actually is and remembers completely, you know, what happened to him because it is quite intense, you know, and he he does play those parts with with pretty good emotion as well. You can feel the strain, and he's he obviously always talks about the headaches and um, the kind of traumas and stuff. And yeah, I think the third film. Um, I don't think it's the strongest film, but at the time I remember just absolutely loving it because I think it just ties everything so well together and, and obviously needs to exist. And it, it does tie well within the books and, and the way they, you know, I don't think you got any level of disappointment having read the books or, or watched the film that it, it concluded in the right fashion. I think you both summed it up really well there. You know, the, the conclusion of that trilogy was, was nigh on perfect, really. Um, and I love that, like you mentioned, the Pam Landy scene. I think I always love intelligence in films and obviously... Pam Landy's extremely intelligent, her team, no doubt are, they've got all these tools and all these gadgets and systems and things, and he completely pull, pulls the rug out from under them, and I just love it that he, he lets them know as well, you know, the, the, in, a, in a humorous way as well, and it's just now. Just so good, that scene. Um, I can't believe I made up in a way that neither of you have mentioned my favourite scene. It's one of my favourite scenes in any film, to be honest. Uh, Waterloo Station. I just oh. think that that is just so yeah. good. It is just so well choreographed. It's, it, it shows, you know, Bourne's intelligence, it, it, how, what, what a strategic mind he's got, you know, Everything about it, and obviously the way it's shot, and you know the editing, everything is brilliant, and he does everything right, and you know even the the sort of it it gives you that sort of terror of like you know this this guy pushing the 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 bin cart could be could be an assassin because anyone could be an assassin, <laughs> and I love the way he's so able to to assess threats in a way that nobody else can because he's so highly trained. And yeah. I, I also like the fact that, obviously, you both touched on this earlier on, he does everything right and it still goes wrong because, obviously, Paddy Gonstein's character, uh, and he was excellent in such a small role as well, I think, um, his character hasn't got what Bourne's got. You know, not everyone can be so so cool in such a such a horrendous situation and you know if he'd have just followed Bourne's Bourne's instructions he'd have been fine but it's so hard to do when you're in a situation like that and I even love it at the end of of that scene where he, he chases after the sniper and gets so close but just can't catch him and I just think that scene's just breathtaking really it really is um, I think that's a good point to have a short break so uh, just go and get yourselves a drink or something and we'll be right back in a few seconds. You're listening to The Unfield Index. The Unfield Index. A podcast channel. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, everyone. 
I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, so, so many amazing fight scenes in the trilogy, and obviously we've we've touched on a few of them up to now. Uh, I'll start with you, please, Rory. Is there any, obviously you mentioned one earlier, but is there any others that particularly stand out for you? I'm trying to think. The one, the one in North Africa, the one in Morocco is pretty, pretty damn awesome where he basically rescues her uh, in the last kind of second. So they're kind of fighting, he's fighting through the streets to find her all through the rooftops and the alleyways. Um, and then he jumps through the, the pane of glass and, and basically storms in on the guy and, and they have an incredible fight. Um, that one's excellent. Um, obviously we talked about uh, a couple of the others, um, and then the original one in the in, in the French apartment, where that guy just he doesn't stay down. No. It's just it's just he literally keeps as soon as you t- you blink, he's back on his feet and he's relentless. Um, and he pulls the knife and then Bourne has to, you know, basically, you know, bats to the desk, picks up the pen, removes the lid. It's also shown. Do you know what I mean? It shows you exactly the way it's visually going to be done. And then, you know, basically removes the knife, breaks his arm, you know, breaks his leg, I think, and basically disables him. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the first time, well, the first time you really get to see his, his, his full skills in terms of, of, of his training and his, um, you know, his, his fighting style and action. Yeah, it was, it was really good. Yeah, no, that was sensational, that, and again, so, so brutal. And I think I remember reading at, at, at the time, it, 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 it was like a, a type of martial art where one of the things it does is the other person's strengths, it, it sort of, you damage them step by step. And obviously that's what he does, doesn't he? Every limb essentially gets damaged to the extent, as you say, this guy, he's still coming, but he's got nothing because bones, pretty much injured every part of him and it's just it's so well done and so as as we said earlier on you just feel like you you're in there with them don't you it's just breathless i do quickly 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 the one i also like um at the end of the first scene with clive owen um and it's not a fight scene as such it's like a it feels like a, a mission from metal gear solid um where you're <laughs> against the sniper um, and it's, it's just, it, I just loved it where he, he blows the car or he blows the oil tanker in the garden to distract him. And then he sprints across the field. And then it's just basically, you know, a standoff until one of them blinks. It's, it's a really clever scene for two, yeah. you know, obviously professional contract, you know, you know, contracted for hire. But uh, yeah, I, I really like that. And I like the fact that, he knows he's there because the dog's not come back and he, it's kind of 
sixth sense of, of something's not right. Yeah, I think that was a, that was a really good scene as well. Oh yeah, that that that's fantastic. And he, as you say, he's so quick. He's onto it with the dog. You know, straight away, that's something that happens any other times. And then, as you say, he's so decisive as well. He goes from, he's obviously in this sort of family scene, but once he realises that and he gets that gun, obviously, I like the fact that he can see he's clearly guilty and sorry for what he's brought to this family as well, which is, yeah. again, as we say, yeah. the consequences. Yeah, as he gets the headaches, I always get the headaches. Oh, yeah. You can that. feel he's, yeah, you can feel it. it was, it's, it's a really small part, but obviously Clive Owen's a pretty esteemed actor, so, yeah, it was mm-hmm. great. Yeah, and uh, what's the line? Look look at what they make you give. And I think that had so much weight because, obviously, that's exactly how born is. He, you know, he's, he's, he's trapped with this history he doesn't want. And, and, you know, and obviously he's just seeing somebody in the same situation, you know, lose his life for, for, for this job that he doesn't even want anymore, but he's not being allowed to leave behind. What about yourself, Neil? Any, any particular standout for you? I don't think there's much left. I think Rory covered yeah, it all. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. That, I, it was going to be the French one, and then when he started mentioning the French one, it was going to be with Clive Owen. <laughs> oh, okay. The thing is, though, the thing is, for an action film, you'd think there'd be more, actually, and that's what surprised me, because I thought back about them all, and I haven't had a chance to watch them all again, but, you know, I thought back and thought, well, there must be more, you know, prominent fight scenes, but there isn't as many standout ones, and that's good, that's what I like about it. I think he's an efficient he's an efficient killer or he's an efficient agent in the fact that he knows how to avo- avoid a fight, which is why there's so little fights. Because he, he, he like, well, this is probably my my you were going to say his ingenuity, and you know, that's coming up later on. But yeah. where he he gets everybody out of the CIA office, that follows Pam Landy, and then ring, rings the, rings uh, Chris Cooper up and sa- says, How, "How's your office? I'm in my office." And he goes, "That's funny. I'm in your office." Do you know what I mean? So he's always thinking of ways to get everybody out so as he doesn't have to cause any pain or destruction to anybody, which I think is it's pivotal to that character of what Jason Bourne's trying to be. He doesn't want the chaos, he wants to avoid it, but it's also his training. Uh, he knows to avoid scenes, basically. But in terms of fights, the one in the French apartment probably sticks out the most because it was the first time he was using just inanimate objects, a biro, a phone, anything. To, to kick the shit out of somebody, basically. Yeah, I remember saying one of the best things ever would be if you you trapped like Jason Bourne and, and fifty men in a in a stationary supplier or something like that. Because <laughs> 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 you just find ways and means, you know, killing someone with a protector and a and a, and a staple remover or something. Everybody end up a staple in their head. <laughs> Pretty and much. It's, it, it's funny since then. Obviously, I think. Taken's done a bit of this in a few other films, if I, if I recall correctly. But that was, uh, it sounds like it was the same for you. That was the first time I'd ever seen a film do that. Use yeah. an object like that uh, to, uh, to, to win a fight. Like but, a bloody you know magazine. I mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> use a, you use know, a magazine to kick someone up the arse, do you know what I mean? Yeah, or, or a book, you know, these things that you, you just, it just doesn't happen, does it? But obviously, since then, it, it, some films do, but it was done so well in these films, it's unbelievable. It's I a forgot about it. Taken, actually. Taken is basically a, a, almost a direct rip of, of the Bond trilogy in its own it's way. Person, so it yeah, is. it is yeah. the dumbed-down version. Um, the first one's got a few merits, but then everything else that 
Liam Neeson's basically done on on the back of the Taken film, including the two horrible sequels, are just uh, just then more watered down versions of it. So it has started somewhat of a a trend in modern. It, it takes the whole the pen's mighty to the sword and turns it on its head, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do yeah. love it. I love that scene because it's just the fact that he takes the pen. But not only that, you see the visual removing of the lid. Do you know what I mean? It's not oh, a pen yeah. without a lid on it. It's it's just it has to be right. Do you know what I mean? I, I yeah. just I wonder how many times they shot those kind of scenes, oh. the action scenes. But that's where know, it goes into his body as well. It, it oh, kind of rem- yeah. it, it reminds me of Hostel, where somebody cuts the guy's Achilles. Yeah. It's like how would you feel if that was to happen to you? Like you immediately wince oh, at yeah, the sight of it. Yeah, because he shoves it between, obviously between the fingers, but you see yeah. the guy remove it. It's oh. that scene where you like you see him pulling it out of his skin. It, it, that, it yeah, brings that's... up the whole them being a machine thing and really hits it home, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah that guy is a machine. That first fighter, <laughs> he's yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah, no, I think you're right. When when you see him just remove that as if it's just another day at the office, you're right. It 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 just is. These are human machines, and they just you know, like they say about the Terminator absolutely will not stop until it's achieved its mission and yeah no that 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 scene was amazing one that stands out for me which isn't that type of fight scene but just one that shows how different these can be is the one i think in in the cia and station office in naples and where born just stays like almost like a mongoose or something he just stays completely still doesn't he yeah, and and then eventually explodes on this guy who's got no chance of dealing with it at all. He's like, you know, he, he's nowhere near the level of person who should be at a fighting born. I think he says no. something on the phone, doesn't he? Like he's, you know, he's ready to handle it or contain it, and then the next <laughs> minute he's on the deck, knocked out, and then he wakes <laughs> up. And and even that's just so clever. Do he put that thing under the door handle and it then wouldn't go down? He, he steals his phone, doesn't he? And then oh, he closes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and it's, it's all, all so, meticulous. It's all planned, yeah. you know, yeah. and that's why it's so clever. Because, yeah. yeah, all the scenes throughout, he, he does have a bit of an adversary. I can't remember where the is the is the second film the part when they're in the Eastern Bloc in Russia, or is that the third film? Second. Yeah, because that trained assassin's tough. He's the one that I think this is the one that shoots Marie. Carl yeah, Urban. He, is yeah, it, is it Carl Urban, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And and they obviously have that other driving sequence where they both oh, barely walk away well. from it. And that's just another real, you know, uh, it just feels so real because they're both, you know, he, he ends up limping at the end of that film. He's, he's yeah. badly, badly hurt. And yeah, it was, it's good that kind of Soviet Eastern Bloc and uh, again, more European locations. But this films, the, all the films have loads of locations, but they didn't feel, and they were near Bond, you know. It didn't feel like they're jumping on a private jet from one place to the next. It just felt real. I think you're right there. I mean, the thing with Bond, Bond, as we've said, Bond's filmed everywhere. It's probably filmed some of these same countries and cities, but it always feels like it's... It's like 80 days around the world. (laughs) Yeah, they don't feel like real streets, do they? You don't believe anyone's ever walked down these streets. They just feel like sets, even though a lot of the time they're not. Yeah, have you seen the latest one? Have you seen the Mexico scene? Um, it, the latest yeah. Bond? Yeah. Oh, my, my better half fell asleep during this, so I didn't get to watch the <laughs> end, but it, I, I, I wouldn't enjoying it if I'm honest. No, but the, fir- the first scene when they're in, you know, Dia del Muerte or whatever, you know, in, in yeah. Mexico City, 
I've been to Mexico City. That didn't at all feel like Mexico City, even though it is. Do you know what I mean? It's just it's yeah. the way it's it's done. You know, I, I like in the Bourne films, all the traffic's still moving and the trams are still moving. And, you know, and they use them as part of the the way it operates. It's not like they. I know they still film it and will have extras and and, and things like that, but it's still done in a much more organic kind of way. It's not like you know closing off four blocks and and doing all the rest of it so yeah that's the big big divide and difference between the two kind of franchises yeah and, and in fairness because i've been quite critical of bond the, the, sometimes that's great you know that the bond oh, yeah. drama, you know the, there is a place for it but i think obviously as we've said sometimes then films go a bit too far down that 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 street so to speak and the, this was so refreshing to to feel like it's in real places with real people. Um, obviously, we've mentioned a few of them there, the bits of ingenuity. We may have covered the ones you were going to say. Um, have either of you got any bits of Bourne's ingenuity that we maybe haven't touched on that uh, uh, really the light. enjoyed? Do you remember the lamp under the under the door? Oh, yeah. Him, him, yeah. And, the, and the fan, and he makes them think that he's on the other side of it. Yeah, well, that was quite excellent. Again, using just... Ordinary everyday objects to to get the job done. Yeah, that was. I that was, was cracking. Yeah, no, that was that was a great example. What about yourself, Rory? Have you you got any? Or... I can't think of any more. No, nothing. Um, the one really minor thing is when he's in the Swiss bank and he just clears out his his. You know, he knows he's got to get out, and he clears it out into the bin, and he just takes the kind of bin bag with him. <laughs> I know it's a, it's a it's already a backpack kind of thing, but yeah. it's it's still. You know, it's that element of of practicality. It's it's that element of unforeseenness. I kind of like the fact when he just turns up in Naples and he's just wearing the kind of fisherman's jumper and he doesn't look like a a movie star or doesn't look sure. like a you know. It's it, there's no fancy gadgets. It's all just it's all just the use of the mind and the the skills. It's good. Yeah, totally agree. I uh, the, the the one that. I've- that probably still remains that that I really liked at the time was uh, I think it was in Morocco on the rooftops. You know, he's so quick with his thinking. Yeah. He knows there'll be glass on them. Yeah, and he, and he covers his hands. Oh, he yeah. covers the hands with his with the washing that's been hung up. And again, as we've said a few times, it's so efficient. He doesn't stop. It's while he's running. He does it all on the move. And it's just, it's just so good. It really it stops is. the police in their tracks because they just, they can't go any further just because of this one bit of glass, but he's already about three moves ahead. It's like a game yeah. of chess. You're right. You're right. He, he is. He's like a grandmaster. It's, it's so intelligent. Um, the, the next thing we're going to look at is, uh, I'm not sure if either of you watched it at all, but the Bone Legacy, did either of you watch it and did you like it? Yeah, I started watch it. So didn't you know? I, no, I, I almost did a few times, but I kind of didn't feel like I wanted to. And then when it kind of got announced they were going to make another ball, and I was like, I'll just leave it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I did watch it, but I, were, I weren't blown away by it. It weren't a, bad, a particularly bad film by any stretch, but it was nowhere near as good. I as find it nothing film. happened. Nothing really yeah, happened. Yeah, it, it was quite dull. It was quite dull. Yeah. And I love Jeremy Renner normally. I do too. Yeah. But it's it was just it was more about some pills than anything else, and I was just like, nothing's really happening in this movie. <laughs> People are just sort of getting on with it, and that's it. <laughs> There's yeah, nothing no. standoutish. Like I, I basically can't remember what happened in the movie. 
Yeah. That, <laughs> I just remember ne- some ne- never a good sign, is it? <laughs> I remember yeah. some snow and that's it. I can't really remember. <laughs> and some pills. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I think that, that that was one of the bits I liked, actually, where he gets rid of, I think he's got like some sort of tracker and he gets rid of it in the snow. That was one of the few bits I, I enjoyed, but yeah, it was quite dull overall and definitely nowhere near the, the calibre of these films. Last question now, obviously we've covered so much and I've really enjoyed hearing your thoughts. Um, are, are you looking forward to the next instalments? And I'll start with you, please, Neil. I am, but I'm I'm anxious because I'm just hoping, as sort of Rory alluded to earlier on, I don't want them to take on the mentality of they have to go bigger and bigger with every install that's coming. I hope it doesn't go CGI. I hope it stays true to what it actually is. I, I, I'm quietly confident that because of Greengrass that it will be fine, but I'm just I'm a little anxious that they're going to try and go big because it seems to be with everything that comes out these days, like nothing's ever truly dead, and then you really want it to come back, but when it comes back, you, you then think, well, grass really wasn't greener. I just really should have thought of it that. I don't really want it back after all. It was fine the way it was. So I'm just, I just hope it wasn't a movie of its time and when it comes back out now it either seems dated because it's trying to do what it did before if you know what i mean yeah. or it's gone the full other way and it's trying to be like action movies now where it doesn't fit in at all it's not like born at all so i don't know it's a tricky one for me i, I know i'm kind of contradicting myself there but there's like a balance oh. in between those two that i think that it needs to find it can't be dated and it can't be too contemporary basically yeah no, I know exactly what you mean, and I think a lot of people have have similar similar thoughts about it. What about yourself, Rory? I've kind of not been paying it too much attention because, well, to be fair, the media's not been paying it that much attention because they've not really released much about it, which is, is good until the kind of, I think there's only a teaser trailer so far, even though it's coming out in the summer. So um, I I think, given the fact that it's written by by Damon and Greengrass and Christopher Rouse, who's involved in all the other ones and Captain Phillips and other kind of really good films in recent years, um, is involved in terms of the writing and directing because they're working well together. I don't think they would have done it if A, the script wasn't up to par and they felt it was the right time to do it again um, because they, they have been offered it multiple, multiple times over many years um, and Damon's obviously had other things he wanted to do as it's probably Greengrass and I'm positive that I don't think they would have come back to it unless it was the right story and the right project for, for all to be involved um, and I think the cast looks pretty solid, um, it's still got Julie Stiles, there's still some similarities there, um, Alicia Vikander who's who's hot press at the moment she's been really good over the films last year generally speaking it, it looks in other ways too <laughs> <laughs> yes indeed um, yeah and you know generally speaking it looks it looks like it'll be great to be honest um, but you don't know anything about it really so it's it's very hard to to know which direction they're going to take it in um, I think if it feels newer in terms of the, the direction it doesn't hang up on all what's gone before I think that's maybe going to work better as a more standalone kind of film it's good that we don't know too much, though, because a lot yeah. of movies these days, the trailer's basically the fucking movie. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's the beef. Yeah, that's the issues we've had when we talked about Batman versus Superman and stuff. It's just way too much in your face and, and way too much of what's already going to happen um, and what you don't like about it already. And, yeah, you don't need that. Um, I think it's better to keep it a bit of a mystery 
just give you a bit of a, an idea of what's to come. But I, I think it'll be, I'm sure it'll be great. I don't think they'll get it wrong. Yeah, I think I think uh, whilst obviously, like Neil said, they do have some worries just because it's something we we love so much. Uh, I think uh, I, I've got confidence it'll be good, like like you say, Rory, because I think as you say, they've had so many opportunities to come back, and they always said they wouldn't unless the script was right. And I think Matt Damon was saying that the original films was so much of them was linked to the Bush. Cheney, Rumsfeld era of politics, and uh, and I think they thought they didn't have as much they wanted to say, and I think now they've said the funnily enough with with Neil mentioning it earlier on in in this like post Snowden era that that sort of gave them that helped sort of ignite some more things they mm-hmm. want to say about the world with with this character. So I'm very excited, and I just hope it's if it's anywhere near as good as the first three, uh, I'll be delighted. I think that's a, a good place to, to call this one a day. So uh, if people would like to find, and I'm sure they would because uh, you're just so good listening to you both. Thanks for coming on. If people would like to find more of your thoughts and more of your work, where would they find them, Neil? Uh, well, you can get me on, on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Burpleman. Uh, that's B-U-R-P-L-E-M-A-N. <laughs> I know it's confusing for some people. <laughs> my, my account is private, but if you send me a request, I will let you. You follow me. I'm not a complete dickhead. <laughs> uh, and you can get me on, on the box as well, as you said earlier. Uh, or we try to make it bi-weekly, but it's doesn't really it's work not right that way. <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's quality all the same. That's that's the key. It's quality, not quantity. Yeah. Um. We, we recently, I recently hosted uh, uh like a mammoth Breaking Bad one, which is uh it's really long, much to Gags' frustration, <laughs> <laughs> covering the entire uh entire Breaking Bad series. And then recently, there Gags and Cy was on because I w- I was sick. I was supposed to be on, and they just had an update about what they were watching. And it's just general thoughts and chit chat, and you can get involved. And yeah, it's just basically all about coming together and talking about TV. So yeah, you can find me there. So that's on the box. I'll thoroughly recommend it to anyone, anyone listening. Um, you know, they're all excellent, but I particularly enjoyed that Breaking Bad one. Obviously, it's a it's a TV show that I really enjoyed. So it was great to hear that. What about yourself, Rory? Yeah, we're, we're probably quantity over quality, maybe. No, <laughs> not, not at all. Not no. at all. <laughs> So yeah, we've done I think uh, ten or eleven. Now we're up to on our on our, uh, our comic box. Uh, me and Stu um, had Joe on this week talking about Batman vs Superman preview, which was ace. Um, and we've done the Flash and loads of good stuff recently. So um, nice and fun. I'm still writing for AI, so I'm regularly kind of on there and do a bit of football in pods now and again. So yeah, I'm whoring myself around as always. So. Well, it- some some quality stuff. Uh, I was lucky enough to be on the ba- Batman vs Superman preview pod. I had a great time. Learned so much fun. on that. Oh, it was a good good laugh, wasn't it? And yeah. uh, also, he, he, he's touched on it there. Rory's done a review of Deadpool, and I'd fully recommend it. Where, where can oh, I, I did. Rory? Yeah, it's on our Tumblr page. If you go to our at AI Comic Pod account on Twitter, you've got our. Facebook and Tumblr and Twitter accounts and all the rest. You're much of it. more Stu, advanced than we are over on the Stu, Stu does. <laughs> he, he put puts a lot us of to shame, doesn't this. he? He put us to shame. Well, we down. try a little bit, but I, I like <laughs> to write, so it's my first kind of foray into writing about 
something else. Um, uh, we find ways not anything. to put out content. You find ways <laughs> to put out content. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was nice to write a review. So I wrote a review on Deadpool, um, quite explicit review because that's what style of film it is. And I will be writing a little bit more on there. Um, and I'm going to do some general film stuff. Um, when I get the time, which is, is rare, but I do love to write, so I will be doing some, some newer things well, soon. Well, I look forward to that and I thoroughly recommend that article and uh, both these guys' pods. They're really good. Thanks to, thanks to you both for coming on. Really enjoyed uh, hearing your thoughts. Um, and thanks to anybody who's listening. If you do have any feedback, it's always welcome. Uh, any suggestions for films also, um, always eager to hear that. Uh, please, on Twitter, you can find me at Joe Simpson at Wolf underscore Tickets LFC. Thank you. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.